How's it going? Happy Sunday. God, thank you for today. Thank you for all the blessings that we have in our lives, especially this blessing of life. Give us the strength and the wisdom and peace to do your will with it. You are our God. You are our King and our provider. We are your children. this time for us to fellowship with one another, encouraging one another in your truth and your love. Amen. Feel the nations of the earth are shaking. There is no power that can match His grace. Lift up your head, lift up your eyes to see. All of creation is waiting and longing for sons and daughters to declare this truth. Lift up your head, lift up your voice to see. He is a hope, hope for all the nations. He is a light, He is a light for all the world to see. I feel the faith across the earth is rising. We prophesy about a kingdom come, just like heaven all across the earth. Sons and daughters to declare this truth. Lift up your head, lift up your voice and sing. He is a light shining in the darkness. He is a hope, hope for all the nations. He is a light, he is a light for all the world to see. He is a light shining in the darkness. He
stood before my failure Carried the cross for my shame My sin weighed upon your shoulders My soul now to stand So I'll walk upon salvation Spirit alive in me, my life to declare your promise, my soul now to stand. So what can I say? What can I do? Shine. 
Amen. Good morning, church. I love that song. You know, we were talking about last week in Romans 8, um, about being the heirs of Christ, what it means to be the children of God. And I just love what it says, because it's exactly what this song is talking about. It says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And I love that because in John 8, Jesus says, he says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And we are not stuck into slavery of sin anymore. We're not stuck underneath the law. We are freed because of the blood of Christ. And this is the God we serve. And so, Father, I I thank you for that freedom. Lord, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for this season that you have brought us into where we can just focus on the identities that you have built us to be as your body, as your church. Lord, I pray that we would just walk in the freedom of your resurrection. And Lord, today as Floyd comes and brings the word, God, that you would just speak through him boldly, that you would open our eyes and our ears to understand what it means to be your royal priesthood. Lord, then it, and, and that from the youngest of ages in the kids' church all the way up through uh, our junior hires meeting in the Roots Room, God, I pray that you would be glorified, that you would be just lifted up, that you would give wisdom to the teachers, God, and that everything that happens in this building would just represent what it means to be your church. God, we thank you for joining us together tightly. Lord, we pray that you'd just be glorified in this place this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're visiting with us, welcome to Friends Church. Uh, in your bulletin, you'll find what's happening in the church. There's a page of announcements. If you're new, we'd love to meet you in the meet and greet after the service in the Kava shop. Uh, Tracy Mars is selling a book that she wrote out there in the Kava shop too, so definitely check by that and look at the table. It's her story of going through the Holy Land. And then because it's Memorial Day weekend, we have a shortage of kids, which is always good, people playing in the sun. But uh, they're going to join some of the classrooms. So second and third grade will be with the fourth and fifth, fifth grade this morning. And they still need three people to help out in the nursery. So if you want to help out, talk to Kathy. If you're looking for the right classroom, just go to fourth and fifth grade. But at this time, we're going to stand uh, and just continue to worship. If you have kids, they're dismissed to kids' church at this time. If you don't, then just let's stand and continue to worship. Thanks for being here.
are the church. We are the church. We are the church. We are the church. We are God's chosen people. A people set apart to live holy and blameless through Jesus Christ. We are his royal priesthood. We are ministers of mercy. Who live to intercede on behalf of Christ to the world. We are God's holy nation. A people for his own possession. That we may proclaim the excellencies of him. Who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of the living God dwells within us. We are the pillar and foundation of truth. We live to proclaim the truth of the gospel to a lost and broken world. Let the children of God. We love our Father and each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. We are the flock. A people who hear and follow our shepherd's voice. In joyful obedience. We We are are the the body of Christ. We exist as one body together. Interdependent upon each other. Under Christ as our head. We are the bride of Christ. A people who are passionately and wholeheartedly in love with our bridegroom, Jesus Christ. We are the church. 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 This is great without the lights. I can actually see you. No joke, with lights on, it it all goes away. Um, Wow, we are the church. My name is Floyd, and I am a child of God, which is really profound if you think about it. (laughs) Born of God, born of a heavenly spirit of God. Uh, uh, We're going to... uh, continue in our series today on um, who God has called us to be, what he's called us to be, and are we ready for offering? I don't know. Okay. Um, Lord, we thank you for every provision in Christ, including, God, every financial provision Lord, that you have abundantly supplied us and continue to, um, we continue to receive from you, Lord, as we walk with you, as you, as you take us by the hand, Lord. We pray that you will give us wisdom in how to conduct ourselves with our, with our talents, with our gifts, and Lord, even our finances as well is a part of your kingdom. It's a part of your economy. Lord, and regardless of what happens to this world, regardless of what happens to the economy of our nation, Lord, the economy of God and your kingdom will be unshakable, as your word says. And therefore, Lord, we put our confidence and our trust in you. And Lord, we pray that God, as we sow this morning, it will be toward your kingdom. It will be to meet the needs and to... uh, help your body and help uh, those in need as well as taking care of the, the, the uh, finances for this building. And, and Lord, we just sow now in faith and believe that, God, uh, you see. You see our hearts, Lord. 
And what we do is be in your sight. We thank you for it, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so, if you look at your notes there, um, I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about, the first of all, the basics of our identity. What are the essential I- ingredients in understanding, in knowing, and receiving our identities that we have in Christ, according to God's word. And first of all, we need to understand that our identity is not by man. I love Galatians 1. It's such a 1-1. It's such a powerful verse. It's not just an introduction to uh, uh, the book of Galatians. It's not just an introduction that Paul is making to inform them of certain things about just uh, uh, in, a, in a common way of introduction, but he is actually making a very profound statement that echoes through the whole book. And in fact, you, if you can understand this first, first verse, you can understand the whole book of Galatians. But in this verse, he says, Paul, an apostle, Not by man, nor the agency of man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And the fact is that apart from the resurrection of Christ, his apostleship would be meaningless. There would be no apostleship. Because an apostle is a sent one. He is an ambassador. He is a representative of heaven that is taking the gospel to lands all around and inside and outside Israel and was commissioned as an apostle to take God's word. And ultimately, it comes all the way to Fairbanks, Alaska. And here we are in this room, recipients of the apostleship of Paul. But he says, it's not by man nor the agency nor the institution of man. It's something that he received from the Lord. His name, Paul, was not always Paul, it was Saul. But I believe that by the Holy Spirit, God gave him a new name, and he certainly gave him his apostleship. So he says it's not by man. It says in Ephesians 2.10 that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We are not creating ourselves. We are not by our efforts or our sufficiency achieving levels of spirituality or ministry or anything. We are what we are and we are who we are by God's word and by his spirit and by his authority. And he declares our identities to us in his word. So number one, uh, essential ingredient in understanding and receiving our identity is that it's not by man. Secondly, the revelation of our identity precedes our transformation, manifestation, and function. In Matthew 16, There's a situation where the disciples would gather around Jesus and Jesus asked them, who do men say that I am? And after giving several answers, he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answers and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus 
makes it very plain to each one of them that he, when he says, this did not come by flesh and blood, but my Father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. And then he turns to Peter and he says, and you are Peter. His name originally was Simon, but he said, you are Peter. So in other words, what's, what's going on there is that, that they, the disciples are getting a revelation of who Jesus was, his identity. And then secondly, Jesus is also revealing to Peter his identity. And that's what has to happen because upon the revelation of, when we get a revelation of Christ and he gives a revelation of who we are, then upon that rock and that foundation of known identities, he is going to build his church, is building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Because there's going to be resistance to the identity that we all are to receive and to know and understand. And in fact, when Jesus was led, I noticed this in the scriptures this week, when Jesus was was in the wilderness being tempted of the devil, one of the things that he continued to say is, if you are the son of God, And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to challenge our identity. And that's why he leads us. He tries to seduce us into sin. He tries to assault us in such a way that we lose sight of who we are. Because that's what he's after. Because if we get a revelation of our identity, we will begin to manifest that thing. We will begin the performance of that identity will come forth. So the revelation of identity precedes the manifestation. And don't be concerned about that word revelation. We have the Holy Spirit, and we should be hearing from God on a regular basis. And that hearing from God and, and, and seeing things in the Spirit is called revelation. It's something that is not a product of our natural minds. It's not a product of our three marbles. It is, a, it is an impartation by the Spirit. And oftentimes, most of the time, it's a revelation of this book. We read this book. We pray over this book. We put our minds, we set our minds on these things. And, and as we do, God takes that information and he transforms it part by part, bit by bit into revelation. And so we should not be thinking that the word revelation is some sort of prophetic thing out there in space, but it's something that we are to walk in daily. Let God reveal that to you. And if you don't understand what I'm saying, that you need to go into that secret place and and ask God to begin to give you revelation. This world system, this is one of the things about it, too, is that the world system, and I call it a system because, uh, actually, if you want to learn about more about that, you can attend my 301 class. It's uh, June 14 and 28, um, coming up in a few weeks here. And I will go into depth into what I call the world system, which I also 
use the term the matrix, if you've seen the movie The Matrix, because this is a, this is a system that is designed to give us certain mindsets and certain uh, principles by which we are to live. And one of the primary things that it wants to impart into us is a performance mindset. In other words, you perform and then you, based on your performance and your own qualification, you become. But in God's kingdom, it works just the opposite. God declares who we are and what we are. And as we receive that revelation and we we understand it, we begin to walk in it. We begin to do. So who precedes do? I'm thinking about um, Frank Sinatra's song, Doobie, Doobie, Doo. That's That's the world. It's do to be. But God's kingdom is superior, and, we're, and that's what we're walking in here. God says, I have made you. He said that to Abraham. I have made you the father of many nations. God declares who we are and what we are. Apart from him, and, and this is the way the world works, is we're, we're creating our own identity. And we're hoping other people will give us our identity. But the fact is, is we need to hear from God because he's the one who can, he is the only one who can truly tell us who and what we are. Fourth, and your notes there. It says, the gospel And what I'm talking to you about today and what we've been talking about for weeks requires and necessitates a thorough and complete and extreme, radical reprogramming of our natural, carnal, religious, earthbound, matrix mindsets because one of the things about it is that it, it completely messes with our time-space continuum, the, the natural world that we live in. So much of the gospel is, is completely out of the box when it comes to the normal way that we think. Um, for example, when Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, Christ was crucified a number of years before that was written, so he was crucified with Christ, and yet he is writing that letter. How can that be? And then he says, nevertheless, I live. Okay, that's obvious. You're still living, although you were crucified with Christ. Yet not I. So no, no, now you're not living, but you're able to write this letter. Yet not I. Nevertheless, not yet not I, but then... But then he ends up saying, but Christ is living in me. So wait a minute. Wait, wait. What I understand about the gospel was Jesus walked on the earth 2,000 years ago. He was crucified. He rose from the dead. And, then he, and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But then Paul is saying that he was crucified with him. And now Jesus Christ is living inside of him. 
You see what I'm talking about? That kind of messes up the whole time-space continuum. And that's why we have to have this radical renewing of our natural, carnal, earthbound matrix mindsets. I mean, it takes a lot to renew our minds to this word. And we have to understand, this word did not originate from earth. This thing is extraterrestrial. This thing is from heaven. And when it speaks, it speaks about heavenly things and a reality from that perspective. And so therefore, we have all been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. Yet, it's not us that's living, but Christ is living in us. And then there are, there are these other things, like, like Jesus saying, okay, I and the Father are one. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And then he says, just a, a couple of minutes later in, in his prayer, he says, and I'm going to the Father. I mean, this, this takes renewal of our minds. And that's why we need to baptize ourselves in his word. We need to be in his word every day. It needs to be circulating through your mind. Do you realize when you, I mean, one of the things I think about is that when we're watching movies, we are being programmed. Because most of the things that are going on in the movies that we watch are completely natural. There is no faith. It's total unbelief, and it's, it's people going through situations and dramas and comedies and all these things are going on, and there's no God in it. And yet we need to be walking in his spirit and in the revelation of his word. We are heavenly beings. We were born from above. We are children of God. We were born to live in an otherworldly sense. And so it, it, this gospel and this word and the, and the whole idea of the kingdom requires a deep and profound repentance. And it's not just, I mean, normally when we think about repentance, we think about repentance from carnality. But it's a repentance of the whole system. It's a repentance by which we can then receive what God says about us and begin to walk in it because this is who we are. And so that requires repentance. Repentance is changing your mind. It's renewing your mind. And so I thought for a minute we would take a quick review of what we have been covering in the last uh, few weeks. And one of the identities is living stones, that we are being built together, a spiritual house. And one of the things that Eric said was, Your testimony becomes my faith. So we each have these testimonies about how we came to God, but also what God is doing in our lives, and it just builds our faith, and that's a part of being built together. And one of the things that he did during his message that really hit me, he kept he kept putting his fingers together like this, you know, and I just got this real graphic picture of us being living stones, being put together and lined up with the chief cornerstone of that building. And this building has been, this construction project has been going on ever since the days of Abraham. And over the centuries, we are all a part of that. In fact, God declares that we are the sons of Abraham.
And so here we are in Fairbanks, Alaska, and God says in in Genesis 12, I'm going to make you, Abraham, a blessing to all the families of the earth. And here we are in this room today fulfilling that very prophetic word that was given to Abraham all those centuries ago. So we are living stones. Secondly, we're a chosen race. We're born into one bloodline, one race made up of diverse peoples where every ethnic group and color brings a revelation of God that we would not otherwise have. Man, that hit me, you know, like a ton of bricks when Eric began to speak on that. It was powerful. It was profound. And it really changed some, some of my uh, neurons up in my brain here. And I started to go, wow, this is awesome. Yeah, and that's why we want ethnic groups from all over the world. We want to, we want to see what they bring to the table. I watched people from Fiji and their music and, and maybe those from Africa and, and other parts of Asia and they bring such a unique flavor to the body of Christ and we all need to receive from one another, even in our own nation. There's a diversity. It's a beautiful thing what God is doing in each individual and ethnic group brings something to the table that we would otherwise never know or see or understand about Him. Because we are a revelation of Him. Because His Spirit is living in us. And so then there was the the children of God, that we are children of God, that we are wholly and completely and totally dependent upon Him. I think one of the most profound revelations that we need to get is apart from Him, we can do nothing. And so we are like children. And I love some of the things about children are, are just awesome because like I have some uh, couple of nearly three-year-old granddaughters now and just to look at how they think and how they are so open to, to learning and to... I taught my granddaughter... Um, Lucy uh, a couple of words this last weekend when I was in Anchorage. One of them was conversation. And, I, and then I taught her another word. Oh, yeah, she's walking around talking about conversation. And then I taught her another word, and I didn't have time to teach her how, the use for it, but it would have been, uh, Daddy, what you're saying to me is, and here's the word, is inscrutable. And so she's going around talking about inscrutable. And it was, you know, pretty awesome. But that's children. They're open. They're open to what God says. And that's the way we need to be. We need to just take everything out of this word. Receive it all. Adults, children receive and they're open. Adults calculate. And we need to be like children in that regard. Next, there was a holy temple, and we talked about how God, number one, we are holy. We are holy. All of us in this room are holy and sanctified. And if you have problems with that, it's because, like I said a couple of weeks ago, you have a performance mindset. Because you are made holy and sanctified by the offering of the body of Jesus on that cross once and for all. And that needs to be in our that needs to be a part of the renewal of our minds. 
That needs, to, that needs to become a reality in our minds. It is so difficult for us to receive things for free. But we have the gift of righteousness. And we need to receive it. And when we receive it, when we receive these gifts, when we receive these identities, then it will affect our behavior and our performance. And that's, what it has, that's the way it has to be. We have to hear from heaven. We have to receive from heaven. And then things are transformed in our lives. And then um, Brian talked about how we, the church, are the pillar and ground of the truth. That there is absolute truth and not truth that's just relative to whatever you think it is. I was... Um, I was at the uh, student rec center one afternoon, was playing soccer, and we kind of finished up, and then there was a group of the guys that were uh, standing around, a little group talking, and one of them was uh, assistant professor at the university. And uh, when I walked up, I realized they were talking about some new revelation of Oprah about uh, moral relativism or something like that. And I walked up, and I just said, and I kind of pushed myself into the middle, and I said, you know what? I looked at him all in the eye. I said, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't even matter what I think. The only thing that matters is what God thinks. And I said, and I said, and, and if God doesn't exist, and we came from monkeys, then I'm with Hitler, because it's survival of the fittest. And they got kind of quiet and changed the subject. <laughs> but it's true. 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 So let's look at Peter, First uh, Peter, Peter two nine, and we'll 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 extract some pertinent things that have have to do with a royal priesthood. It says, "You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession." so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness in and into his marvelous light. And uh, what I want to point out to you, I want to take royal priesthood, I want to look at proclaim the excellencies of him, and I want to look at called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. First of all, royal priesthood. In uh, 1 Peter 2.5, it says it is a holy priesthood. Okay? So we are a holy priesthood. And then it says royal. And that word royal would better be translated kingly because it's, a, it's the adjective of the word king. So it's a descriptive word of the priesthood. It's a kingly, royal, holy priesthood. Okay? And, and uh, you know, when I think about this, I think that the royal kingly holy priesthood is probably the hardest of the identities to really relate to it's one of the most difficult ones that 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 it's hard to to receive i mean how often do you get up in the morning and go hey i am a royal holy godly incredible kingly priest (laughs) but really that's what you are and that's why we we're giving these messages because, um, you know, I was uh, I was thinking 
well, actually, I've had this thought a number of times. I've been a little bit concerned about these messages over the last, since January, because none of them seem to really get down to, you know, hell, I want to help you with your marriage and how to raise your kids and all this sort of thing. And, and, and I really, I felt like the Lord kind of corrected me and he said, listen, I know what I'm doing. And it may not make sense to your natural mind, but I have a plan. And what I felt like he showed me was that there is a tipping point. There is a tipping point that he is pursuing. And he wants a tipping point to, to come into our minds and, and into our hearts. And, and when this tipping point occurs, the identities begin to become real to us. And in that reality of who we, who we are and what we are, it will affect everything in our lives. Our marriages will be affected. Our relationship with our children, our parents, our, uh, em- our fellow employees, where we work, what we do, people we play baseball with, it will begin to affect your entire life. And so God has this plan and he is putting forth these messages to you. And these are not just, you know, academic exercises up here. This is not for your entertainment. This is serious business with God because God is preparing us at Friends Church for something that he is going to reveal to us as we keep walking with him. And it's going to be awesome. But we need this foundation. We need to know who he is and who we are because that's the foundation, like I said earlier, of, of, that's the foundation upon which he's going to build his church. So how incumbent is it that we receive these messages? And I'm, I'm, I am desperately trying to, you know, say, God, God, help me understand. God, give me wisdom. Lord, open this up to me. Show me your kingdom. Show me who I am. And you need to be doing the same thing. And so it says we are a kingly priesthood. That means that there's authority and there's power in this priesthood. There's power. Power over sin, sickness, demons, death, and curse. The word, Paul said that the word did not come, or the gospel did not come come to you in word only, but in power. And we need to see God's power released here in Friends Church. I, I, I like, I, I've been thinking about getting this t-shirt for a long time and, and it says, and I'm talking about, you know, things that are, people are dealing with, even in the church. There's sicknesses, there's diseases, there's dysfunction, mental, physical, emotional, things of the past, wounds, hurts, all these sorts of things. And my t-shirt says, you don't have to live with that. That's my message. You don't have to live with that. And I believe in divine healing. I believe in divine health. And as I've set my mind to believe these things and studied his word, I'm experiencing it in in a dramatic way. I mean, I am way healthier than I was five years ago and and prior all the years of my life. I don't get colds. I don't get the flu. I'm not getting, I mean, I get a toothache and I pray and two hours later it's gone. and, and, And this has happened over and over, these types of things. My son, Aaron, 
uh, a year ago, January, went, went diving in, in, excuse me, in Hawaii. And he dove down really fast and he injured one of his ears. And because of that injury, every day for four or five hours, he would have this horrific ringing in his ears. And so after like 10 months, he finally told me about it. And, uh, and so I started talking to him about divine health and healing and how God, you know, has a provision for us for, for healing in the, in the gospel. How Jesus went out and healed multitudes over and over. And he said he healed them all. And so I began to lay this foundation of thinking and, and the word into Aaron's mind. And he began to, you know, we went into this long conversation. And he asked me some tough questions like, okay, okay, I got it. So I pray, Jesus, I, I receive your healing that you've provided for me. And I pray it in your name. And I'm not healed. Why is that? And I said to him, well, let me tell you, this is, this is my take on it. I said, we... God has granted us to know the mysteries of his kingdom, but I don't know all those mysteries yet. But what I do know, that's what I stand on. And so therefore, I'm going to believe for your healing. And I said, if you will take a position with me, one in which even if you live to be 85 and you have ringing in your every single day of all your entire life, you are still at 85 believing and receiving your divine healing and health from Jesus then, on the basis of that, I believe we can see it a lot sooner than that. But you have to take that position. And he said, Dad, let's do it. And so I prayed for him that day, and nothing happened. That was, that was this last January. And this whole thing continued, and he, he took his position. I took my position. And then in, in February, I think it was, he went to the ear, uh, nose, and throat specialist, and he, and he had it looked at. And the guy gave him an MRI. The doctor put him through an MRI, and he looked into it, and he got the results, and he said, okay, we're done. And he said, the MRI shows there's nothing, physi- there's no tumor, there's nothing that I can operate on. Therefore, since it didn't disappear in the first couple of weeks after it happened. You're going to live with this the rest of your life. Just get used to it. That's, there's nothing we can do. Goodbye. And I'm really glad that that happened because my son has just graduated from medical school. You know, he has a very scientific mindset. And I'm glad that that made it official that there was no natural cure for that condition. So then he continued to pray in the same way after that happened. He did not abandon. He did not, you know, fall into unbelief. But he continued to believe. And a few weeks later, bang, suddenly stopped. Everything was cleared up and has been since then. There is resistance We have to get it into our minds that by faith we believe things that are contrary to our natural thinking, our circumstances, other people, the thoughts of our own mind, demonic things coming against what God has spoken. And if we will hold to those beliefs, just like every single person in the the faith chapter Chapter 11 of Hebrews did, in spite of all of their opposition and resistance, we will see the fulfillment of God's word. 
and that is especially true with our identities. Don't let your own natural mind, nor the, nor the challenges of the enemy, take you and rob you of what God has said to you, what he is saying to you, who you are and what you are. Because if you will hold on to it in belief, like Abraham did, he believed that the one who had promised was able to perform it. And that's what we have to do. We have to hold on to what God has spoken to us and what is in his word. And so we are indeed a holy, royal, kingly priesthood. And what is the, what is the basic idea of a priest? I think it can simply be summarized this way. A priest is someone who stands between heaven and earth. And the ministry goes both ways. And I think that's especially pertinent to uh, Friends Church in that the structure that we um, adopted for Friends Church came out of Acts 13, 1 to 3, and it says there that while the church there was ministering unto the Lord, the Holy Spirit said. They had their attention upward. They were ministering unto God. They were worshiping. They were praising. They had entered into God's presence. And in his presence, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. And he said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul, Paul. Barnabas and Saul unto the work to which I have called them. And then it says, as they prayed, I believe they were praying and their worship was going up and God said something. And then they prayed upon, uh, they, they prayed for Paul and Barnabas. And then it says they sent them out. And this lines up with the holy priesthood here in, in 1 Peter 2.9. It's, it's right here in this verse. That, that it, in, in the first place, they, they are this royal priesthood. That's what we are. We receive that in the secret place. We receive that as we take his word and we pray and we meditate. And we fill our minds with it. And suddenly, somehow, through the operation of the Holy Spirit and his word, it becomes a reality in our minds. And the reason is because he's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that's what we see when we're in the light. We begin to see who we are. We begin to see him and all of his excellencies. And then in the end, we go out. We are sent by the Holy Spirit. We're called of God. We are this royal priesthood. And we meet here together and we pray and we seek his face and we receive revelation from him. And then we go out and proclaim his excellencies. So it's patterned. This this verse is, is closely patterned to the verses in Acts 13. He's called us out of darkness that we might see who and what we are and that we might fulfill the ministry, the mission, the destiny for which we've been called. Now get this. 
It says in, this is another mind renewal moment, okay, big time. It says in Ephesians 4.11, it's there in your notes, I believe, and he himself gave some, this is Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying the body of Christ. And, and if you look at this, it becomes pretty evident that you all are in the ministry. That we're all called into the ministry toward the edifying. In other words, Jesus said, I will build my church. So we're all involved. We're co-laboring with God. We are in union with Christ. There is a ministry that has come from Him, an anointing that has come from Him that rests upon us. And the, this fivefold ministry is to help you become equipped so that you might fulfill your ministry. And I want to say to you today, you are full-time ministers of Jesus Christ. There is no clergy and laity. People refer, they have this division. It's not a part of God's Word. In fact, it's contrary to God's Word. I looked up the word layman and lay and laid, and I, I noticed there was a number of interesting uses when it, like it says, think of a layman as being in layaway or a layover, laid aside, laid down, laid off, laid up, and laid waste. And if you believe you're a layman, that's exactly, you fulfill all those, all those uh, descriptions, all those adjectives are yours. But the fact is, is that we are all full-time ministers in God's, in God's church, and we are all a part of the priesthood. We're all priests. We're all royal, holy, kingly priests, and it's full-time. There's not a part-time anointing on you. And you need to be equipped so that you can be involved in the ministry of the building up of the body of Christ for the purpose that he's called this body. And that is to go into all the world. So we see in the priesthood, first of all, we go into the secret place. We go into the place of prayer. Matthew 6, 6, go into the secret place. That's what Jesus says, go there. But then on the other end of the spectrum, this, and this follows our this, this follows our, our, our mission statement. Know God. Know each other. That's what the identities are all about. That's what we've been talking about. And then make him known. So we go to Matthew 6, 6. We go into the secret place. We receive this revelation. We receive this understanding. We begin to understand who and what we are. And then we're in this group together. And we're, I, we're not only knowing who we are individually, but we're declaring it over one another. And we're expecting I'm expecting you to walk in your ministry and in your priesthood. And then we go out and proclaim the excellencies of him. And it says in Mark 16, so we start in the secret place, Matthew 6, 6, and we end up in Mark 16 where it says, go into all the world. And I believe that we need to go into our city. And I have some ideas, like, it's my idea. I, I'm thinking, you know what? We need people on the school borough and in, in this um, assembly. 
We need people in the city uh, uh, council. We need people in the borough. We need people in the legislature in Juneau. We need to start penetrating our culture and our society and bringing our priesthood from the secret place and beginning to change the atmosphere of those areas that God has put us. Because what happens when you spend time in the secret place, God begins to impart his heart into you for a specific call, for a specific ministry, an area, a sphere of ministry. I think of it like, I, th- I, 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 I might compare this to the uh, way I was, I was trying to describe to one of the pastors uh, yesterday in our city. And... Um, guy from a different church, and was talking about how the fivefold ministry could be looked at kind of like in terms of sunglasses. And the apostle would have brown sunglasses because he sees land and territory that needs to be conquered and colonized by the kingdom of God. And the prophet is blue because he's always looking up into the sky, into the heavenly realm. And the, and the pastor, he might have green because he's looking for grass to feed the sheep. The evangelist has got red sunglasses because it's all about the blood of Jesus and you need to be saved. And the teacher maybe is, is a purple because he's looking into all the majesties of God. And, and in the same way, we, when we begin to understand our call, our specific area and sphere of calling, we begin to maybe uh, uh, identify and move toward that area that would be in the five. In other words, like, for example, Ginger Orum has absolutely the reddest glasses I've seen in a long time. Man, everything is about people getting saved. I mean, she is out there talking about his excellencies all over the planet. In fact, she's, I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but She's about to be uh, interviewed for the 700 Club and featured on, on that. But she has these red sunglasses. Mine are bluish. And each one of us has a, an emphasis that God is putting into us. And you need to know what that is and then begin to walk in it. Because whatever God says to you, whatever he speaks to you, whatever he begins to reveal into your heart, he gives you the power and the grace to fulfill that very thing, okay? And so we're all in this full-time ministry. You know, it's like, these identities need to be so profound. And I, you know, I know that being this is the most hard one, hardest one to relate to, it would be difficult for you to be sitting on an airplane and the person next to you says, oh, hey, what do you do? And you say, oh, I'm a holy, royal, kingly priest. You know, I mean, it's like, but that's what we are. And it's full time. So, I mean, really, that is what you do. That's who you are. What we see in the Spirit of God is what we can become in the natural. When Abraham was told, I have made you the father of many nations, it was 
There was no evidence of that. There was no sufficiency in him being uh, 99 years old and his wife 90. That just wasn't going to happen. And that may be the same case with you when God begins to reveal to you who you are and the sphere he's called you to. You are going to feel completely inadequate. But that's what's cool about God. That's the the foolishness of God is wiser than men. (laughs) Because what he calls us to do and be, he equips us and he empowers us to perform that very thing. Uh, Worship team, you can come up. Um, I think I'll share one last thought. I really didn't get have time to go through all of this that I had originally intended, but um, one last thought is kind of cool. It says in Hebrews 11.1 1, that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We are dealing with the unseen realm, okay? And part of that unseen realm is it requires faith. That's what the idea is, that, that when you connect to the unseen realm, the kingdom of God, you are connecting to something that's outside this natural world, okay? So it requires this thing called faith. And it says right here that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's, this, it's a, and I think of it as a literal substance, When God speaks to you, there's an impartation of substance into you. And what what that word means is underlying foundation. So when God speaks to you, when God spoke to Abraham, I have made you, he was imparting some substance, uh, the underlying foundation for that to come to pass. And regardless of how improbable that statement was, He had the substance, and he held on to it, and he saw it happen, and that's what we've got to do. This book is loaded with substance. We need to take this and baptize our minds in it and go for that radical, extreme, complete, and thorough renewing of our minds. So, Father, we thank you, God, for your word. Let it, let it, let a passionate desire enter into us for your word. Let us, God, approach it with faith and like children receive in whole, wholehearted dependence upon you, Lord. Putting our whole trust and confidence in the power of your spirit and in the divine enabling that you give us to fulfill all that you called us to be and do. God, we believe that it is your will to fulfill the identities that you have given us. And so, Lord, we receive your word concerning these matters, Lord. And we determine in our hearts, God, to hold on and to believe you in spite of anything that is contrary, in spite of all resistance, Lord. And we look forward to it in, in hope and in faith for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.
stood before creation Eternity Spoke the earth into motion, my soul just You stood before our failure, carried the cross on my shame. My sin weighed upon your shoulders, my soul. So what can I say? What can I do?
carried the cross for my shame. My sin weighed upon your shoulders, but my soul now to stand. So I walk upon salvation with your spirit alive in me. My life to declare your promise, my soul now to stand. So what can I say? What can I do? Amen. You guys have a blessed week.